All right. Hey, good morning, everybody. It's good to see you this morning. Hope you, uh, you're enjoying your Labor Day weekend. If you're visiting with us, let me introduce myself. I'm Jake Box. I'm the lead pastor here at Midtown Church, and we're so glad that you're here with us to uh, worship God and hear from His Word. Um, before I get into the message, I got a, a big announcement I need to make. And uh, for those of you who have been following along with the adventures of our church and the facilities that's uh, been happening this summer, I've got good news, and that is as of this week, uh, we found out that we have been approved to uh, begin meeting at Lee Elementary, which is, a, yeah, it's praise God for that, because that's, that is where we've been praying that we would be able to get into, and God has really moved a, a lot of mountains in order to make that possible, and I'd love to just tell that whole story with you. I hope I get a chance to do that soon, but God has done some amazing things to make that ha happen for us, and so we praise Him for that. I want y'all to know that the move is not imminent, and so one of the other things God's done is that He's, ex he's extended our time here at the Baker Center, which uh, was a gracious thing for him to do. And so right now it's looking like we'll move to Lee because this building has uh, sold or it's for sale, still not super clear about the status there, but it is going to sell. And so uh, we are going to move to Lee, but probably not until end of October or beginning of November. So we'll communicate that. But for now, we're going to be here, but we have a place to go when we're no longer here. So all of that, God's taking care of us. And again, we just praise him for that. It's really, really good news. And we'll get you more details about it later. But anyways, wanted y'all to know. So awesome, awesome, awesome. Okay, so hey, going to get into the message today. Before I do, I got, I got a question for you. That is, do you guys ever answer, the, answer a call when you don't recognize the number? Do y'all do that? Like, who does that anymore? Some people do that. If you do that, you are, you are a godly, Christ-like, compassionate person. Like, you care about people. But uh, I, I do that on accident sometimes. I, I, I try never to do that, but sometimes, I don't know, it's like, I can't help it. Phone's ringing, I answer, and I'm like, why did I do that? When I, when I answer the phone with someone I didn't, you know, whose number I don't recognize, I've got one mission, and that is I've got to discern what this call is about. Because if it's a sales call, I'm getting off the phone nicely, I'm a pastor, right? Nicely, but as quickly as possible, right? Because I mean, I don't want to listen to some sales call. Whatever. So anyways, that's my mission. But I have learned not to be too fast and trying to like assume that I know what the call's about. And I learned that from my mom because uh, years ago, my mom got a call one night uh, from someone who calls at home. She answers it and says, hey, can we, can I please speak to Mr. or Mrs. Box? That's my parents. And my mom, and just, <laughs> you need to know, my mom, godly woman, she's a pastor's wife, preschool teacher, uh, one of the kindest, most generous, lo loving people you will ever meet, awesome woman. Uh, she gets on the phone, she's Mr. and Mrs. Box there, and she flat out lies to the guy, just straight out lies. No, I'm sorry, they're not home. Well, then the person on the, on the call says, okay, well, could you leave a message with them? Because I'm uh, Kaylee, and Kaylee is my, seven, my, my younger sister. She's seven years younger than me. She was still in high school at this time. Uh, sh this person on the call says, well, I I'm Kaylee's math teacher, and I was just hoping to talk to them about Kaylee. Well, <laughs> Well, now my mom is very interested in the phone call. And so she's scrambling, trying to think, like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Like, I, I need, I want to hear this. And so she says, oh, oh, guess what? They, they just got home. And uh, they're walking the door right now. Let me get it to her. And so she holds the phone, and she does a walking noise. And then she's trying to figure out what to do. And she gets, the, she gets on the phone. She says, Hello. <laughs> 
this is Mrs. Bulks. <laughs> now, I can't do accents, but I, but I wasn't trying to do an accent there. I was trying to sound like my mom, who also can't do accents. She can't do accents at all. So I'm doing a perfect impression of her very bad British or I don't know what accent that is. That's what she sounded like. And what's amazing is as she's on the phone, she moves from a terrible British accent to like a terrible German accent to like a terrible Australian accent. At one point in time, she calls the guy mate. Like, I, it's just like, she doesn't know what she's doing but she wants to hear the call. So, but turns out the guy was calling just to invite her and my dad to a parent-teacher conference with him. And so now she's really stuck, right? She's like, what am I gonna do? Like, I gotta out myself or I'm gonna keep this facade up in person. That's not gonna go over well. Anyways, it's helpful to know what things are about or you might end up finding yourself doing terrible accents. That's the moral of the story. So just tuck that away. Now, I tell you that story because it's funny, but also because this morning what we're doing is we're going to take a morning just to, 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 to set aside to talk about, hey, what's the church about? What's this all about? And we're going to do that because it's so helpful just to be reminded on a regular basis, okay, why do we do what we do and what are we trying to do? And that in the midst of the, you know, every Sunday we, get, we gather to worship or we get, during the week we get together with one another, we can kind of in, the, in the, you know, the routine forget, okay, what are we really trying to do? What's this all about? And so we are taking this Sunday to, to, to address that. Now, that means this Sunday is a little bit different than our normal Sunday mornings. And so if this is your very first time here, it's a great Sunday to be here because you're going to get, you know, kind of pull back the curtains and hear like, what is Midtown Church all about? What do we, so you'll have a better understanding of who we are. But I also want to say that usually on a Sunday, we, we pick a, a, a passage and we kind of preach through it verse by verse. That's our normal uh, flow. We're not going to do that as much this Sunday, but next Sunday we will as we start a brand new series in the book of Acts. We're going to be in the fall. We're going to be in Acts 1 through 6, and I'm really looking forward to that. It's going to be a whole lot of fun. So we begin that next Sunday, but this Sunday, what's this all about? We're going to talk about what things are all about, all right? So, but before we get into the question, try to answer the question, what's the church all about? Let's, let's actually take one step further back and ask the question, hey, what's, what's God all about? And it's important to start there because the church is God's creation that he created to accomplish his purposes. So we, so we should ask, okay, well, what's his purpose? What, what is God all about? And scripture is very strong in telling us that if you're going to boil it down to one statement, you can say that God is all about his glory. That God is all about his glory. Now, that sounds a little bit odd, but you think about it, and I won't dive into this too much, but God being a Trinitarian God, and one God, three persons, that the, that the Father is about the glory of the Son and the Spirit, and that the Spirit is for the glory of the Father and the Son, and that the Son is for the glory of the Father and the Spirit, and that in this perfect, beautiful community, one God, three persons, glorifying each other, that God is for the, His glory, and so when you think about what God is doing in the world today, it follows suit. And so a key verse for our church is Habakkuk 2.14. And in that verse, God says, this is what I'm about in the world today. He says, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. What's God about? He's about his glory. He's about in this world filling the world filling the earth, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. 
It's a wires covering sea. Now, a couple things I want to point out to you real quick from this. First, this is a promise. Do you recognize that? Notice he doesn't say, I, I'm hoping this will happen. I'm working for this to happen. He says, no, it will happen for the earth will be filled. So God's promising this is what's going to take place. And then also notice what he promises will take place. The earth will be filled with what? The knowledge of the glory of the Lord. Now, glory is, I understand, kind of an abstract concept. Like, What is glory? What's the glory of God? What does that even mean? And, and there's, you could preach a whole message or lots of messages on that. But if you're going to boil it down to one statement, one I find super helpful is that glory, when it talks about the glory of God, that's really talking about the weight of God's worth. The weight of God's worth. And so it's the weight of who he is, what he's like, his character, and what he's done. It's the weight of who he is and what he's done. And God says, one day the earth will be filled, the glory Knowledge of my glory, of who I am and what I've done. It will fill the earth. And notice, to what scope? You know, so waters cover the sea. Complete saturation. The whole earth will be filled with this. Now, this week has been interesting. Getting ready to preach this message, talk about saturation and filling the earth as waters cover the sea. And, of course, you know, on all of our minds has been what's been happening in the coast, uh, Corpus Christi, Port A, Houston, all those areas. And uh, we've been given a devastating picture of what saturation looks like, right? And it's just been horrendous. And I, I just, real quick pause, I have to say, like, I'm, I'm just re- really, I've been really encouraged, uh, really proud of, of, of how y'all, you guys have responded to that. I mean, so I've heard story after story after story this week of, of people taking trips to Houston. We have many people in church right now that are in Houston helping and serving family, loved ones, and their friends. We've got uh, people who have given much don- you know, money and donations. We've been collecting donations this morning. We've had so many people just saying, how can we help? How can we help? Uh, it's been really, really encouraging. We have people hand-making stuff. Just yesterday, a, a group of people doing that. I just love all that, and I want to encourage us as a church— let us continue to love and serve the people who have been strongly impacted by this hurricane. And it, we're going to need to do that for the long haul because this relief effort is going to take a, a, a while, right? And so continue to pray for them and continue to look to serve them. And we as a church are going to continue to try to organize ways that we can do that well together. But anyways, you know, back to the message. Um, given this picture of saturation of all this flooding, and one of the things that I just have been thinking about is, man, like, God, one day, one day you're promising us that the world's going to be filled with something so much better than what currently fills this world. And not just actual water in Houston, but what, what really fills this world right now? Brokenness. I mean, everywhere you look, you see some brokenness. Broken relationships, broken homes, broken communities, broken neighborhoods. I mean, think about the racism you think about uh, just, just common acts of selfishness. You think about the threat of world war. And you think about marital strife. I mean, everywhere you look, you see brokenness. And I know for me personally, it begins when I look in the mirror. <laughs> and it's just broken people that all comes as a result of our broken relationship with God. But God tells us, hey, one day the world will be filled with something so much better. It's going to be filled with the knowledge of his glory. And that we know who he is and we know what he's done. Then in that place, at that time, the world will be the world that we all long for. 
That whether we would put these words to it or not, the world that we long for is the world that's filled with the knowledge of God's glory. Because a world that's filled with the knowledge of his glory is a world filled with people who are representing him, reflecting what God is like to one another and to creation. Where we are uh, interacting with each other, loving each other like God loves us. That we're compassionate to people like God's compassion to us and kind to people like God's kind to us. That we're gracious and we're patient like God's gracious and patient towards us. This world, when we reflect what God is like, is the world that we would say, man, that's, if everyone's doing that, that's the world we long for. God says, that's what I'm, that's what I'm promising is going to happen. That's what I'm about. That's what I'm working to, to bring about. And we should hear that and we should recognize God, would you do it? That, that will be great. Which leads us to ask, okay, well, God, how are you doing that? How are you trying to bring about that, that world? And the, the answer is really kind of twofold. First, it's by what he's doing. And then second, and, and you know, related, but is by what he's doing through us. So you think about what he's doing, it just kind of boils down to uh, the person of Jesus, Right? And that Jesus, God the Son, God came to the earth as a man. That Jesus lived the life that we've all been called to live. The life that represents perfectly God's character. He lived that life perfectly. But then he voluntarily chose to die in our place for our failure to live that life. For our failure of not reflecting God's glory, falling short of the glory of God. And so Jesus, dying on the cross for our sins, made the way through his death and resurrection for us through faith in him, believing that he did this for us, for us to have, yes, our sins forgiven, awesome, but not just that, but his righteousness accredited to us that we would then be fully accepted by God and reconciled to God, that we would be with God. Now hear this, so that God could then come and indwell us. That God himself, God the Spirit, would come and live within us. So now that we are completely with God through faith in what Christ has done for us. And as a result, that makes it possible for us to be personally filled with the knowledge of the glory of God. To be personally filled, saturated with the gospel, with God himself. To where Jesus would say in John 7, 38, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Whoever believes in me, Holy Spirit will indwell you as like rivers of living water that will flow from within you and spill out from you. Now hear this. This is what God is doing and now for us. And then he has something that he's going to do through us to accomplish his great mission to fill the earth with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. It's this, that as he indwells us, then he tells us to go fill the earth. So that God's spirit-filled people who are personally saturated with the knowledge of his glory would then fill the whole earth so that the whole earth would be filled with the knowledge of his glory. That, guys, is what God is about. Which then leads us to the question, well, then how is God trying to fill the earth through his spirit-filled people? 
And to answer that, I want you to turn to Matthew 28. All right, 16 through 20. And that's the passage we're going to camp out on the rest of our time together. So Matthew 28, 16 through 20. I also will have the words up, for, up here on the screen. And as you turn there, you just be reminded that this, uh, this passage, it takes place about 40 days after Jesus' death and resurrection. And so he's, uh, he's you know, Jesus has died. He, he, people have seen him alive, that he spent time with the disciples. And then he's about to ascend to the Father. But before he does, he calls his faithful 11 disciples to him. And he's got some very important instructions for them. Here, here's what he says, starting in verse 16. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Now, let me, let me pause right there because I love that we're told this. I love that we're given this description of the disciples, that they worshiped Jesus and yet some doubted, right? Like, First of all, I love it because we're told that they worship Jesus, which is just another indicator that Jesus is God, that he is divine, that he is God the Son. For the disciples would not worship him, and he would not have received their worship if he wasn't God. But he does. Jesus is God. It's just another point, another passage that points to that. So I love it that we're told that. But I also love it because we're told that some of them doubted. And you think, okay, why in the world would, would they write that? Why would Matthew record that? Well, I can only think of two reasons. One is because um, they really did doubt. Some of them really did doubt. So they, they tell us that because the Bible is a reliable account of what actually took place. See, there would be no other reason for us to be told this. If, if, if this, if the gospel account here, specifically in Matthew, was just religious propaganda to pass on a lie, they would never include this in here. There would be no reason to do that. But they include this because it really did happen and because the gospel account is a reliable, trustworthy account of what actually took place. And so I love, I love that, that they included that. I also love that they included this because... Man, I find, and I hope that you would find, so much encouragement in this. Because this, what this tells you is that discipleship, that choosing to follow Jesus, it's a process. It, there are times, and often for some of us, lots of times, where there is a lot of doubt. And guys, if that's how you are, I want you to recognize you're not alone not only are you not alone in that, but that's the way it has been since the very beginning. <laughs> this is Jesus with the 11, right? And yet some of them are doubting. Discipleship, following Jesus, there are ups and downs. It's not a straight path. It's not always just, you know, a strong, confident belief at all, the at all times. It's okay to doubt. It's okay to ask questions. We as a church, we want to be a place where you can doubt and you can ask questions. Because that's what we see Jesus being okay with here too. I love that Jesus does not rebuke them in their doubt. And Jesus knows that there are some doubting. And yet he doesn't say, hey, those who doubt, get out. I've got something to say to those who are, you know, fully confident. Now he says to all of them, this. All authority is in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And Jesus says, hey, even in your doubt, come follow me. Come be about what I'm about. Join me in this. And he knows that as you join God in what he's doing, there is encouragement. And oftentimes, a lot of our doubts end up fading in the background as we get closer, draw nearer to God and what he's doing. So he says to these guys, come with me. Come on. No matter where you are, come follow me. Be about what I'm about. Now, notice, in this statement, guys, in the Great Commission, Jesus lays out for the 11 and then through Scripture for all of us what the church is to be all about. That he says it this way. What's the church about? It's about making disciples of all nations. Making disciples of all nations. Or specifically, the word, the Greek word for nations, that we translate nations here, is the Greek word ethne, that really more literally speaks to peoples or people groups. That Jesus is not talking about nations with boundaries or borders that change over time. He's talking about individual people groups. And he says, what I want to do through you, what I came, Jesus is saying, to die and rise again to enable is for you to be my people that I would fill you. You're my spirit-filled people saturated with the knowledge of the glory of God. And then through you, I want you to fill the whole earth, all nations, all peoples, so that the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. That's what I want you to be about church. And how are we to go be about that? How are we to fill the earth? By making disciples. I like what Ed Stetzer says uh, when speaking on this passage. He says, uh, while it's common for people to say the church has a mission, a better way to talk about mission is to say that God's mission has a church. And I think what he's getting at there is to say that like, the mission is not just a, a part of the church. You know, like, we do a lot of things, and then there's the mission of the church. But that the, God's mission to fill the earth with knowledge of the glory of the Lord is the reason the church was brought about. The church exists because of God's mission. And now we are the primary means by which God is seeking to fill the earth with the knowledge of his glory by his spirit-filled people, who are personally saturated in the gospel, going with God to make disciples that make disciples to fill the entire earth with the knowledge of his glory. That's what he's up to. That's what he's about. That's what the church is about. But here's the rub. Somewhere along the way, it feels like most, I'm not going to try to paint too broad of a stroke here, but most of the churches in America, not so much in China, praise God, or in India, parts of Africa, but in, in America, we've somehow gotten away from making disciples and seeking to fill places with the knowledge of the glory of God. And that for some, somewhere along the way, we, we, we've kind of reduced church to an event that we attend on a Sunday morning or a group of friends that we have good community with, community with and hang out with. And let me tell you, like, I'm all for gathering on Sundays, and I'm all for having great friends that we have community with. I'm a big, big fan of that. As long as those things are helping us go make disciples. All right? 
And hopefully, hearing God's word taught and being reminded of what Jesus has done for us is a catalyst of helping us to go live out being disciple makers. But if we reduce church to this, then we've missed what it's about, what the mission of the church is. And for a lot of us in America, it seems like we've missed that. And for if you want to personally evaluate if that's true for you, let me ask you, who are you discipling? Who are you discipling? Now, this isn't for just certain Christians. This is for all Christians. We're called to make disciples that make disciples. Like, who are you discipling? And then take another level. Who are the people that you're discipling? Who are they discipling? Or who are the people that you discipled a year ago or two years ago? Who are they now discipling? I heard a talk by Francis, Francis Chan, a uh, pastor. I uh, uh, really enjoy um, he said something on this passage that's always stuck with me. He's, he says, uh, he's talking about the game Simon Says. Y'all know Simon Says, right? Simon Says, pat your head. So you pat your head, whatever. Most of you have played that game before. You only do what Simon Says. He, he, he was drawing a, 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 a parallel with that and saying, he says this. It's weird how Jesus Says, Jesus Says, is a totally different game, Right? Like in the church, if Jesus says it, you don't have to do it. You just have to memorize it or, or study it. Like Jesus tells us to make disciples, but how many people in our church are actually making disciples? But how many of us have actually memorized that verse? And he, he, he talks about his daughter, but I'll talk about my sons and personalize it. He says, or I'll just say, hey, if I tell my two sons, third graders, Camp and Enoch. Hey, hey guys, I need you to go clean your room. They better not come back an hour later and say, hey, dad, guess what? We memorized what you said. We, you said, go clean your room. In fact, dad, we can say it in the Greek. We can, we really can. And, and I want you to know that in, that in the next hour or so, we've got a group of friends that are gonna come over and we're gonna have a little bit of study on what it would look like if we were to actually clean our room. It's gonna be really great. Like if the, I, my son said that to me, it, they would be in trouble. Like that's not gonna cut it, right? And, and yet, right? Kind of convicting, huh? Why do we think that the judge of the universe, the king of the universe, God himself. When Jesus makes this statement, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, and then he commands us to go make disciples, why do we think that we're going to come before him one day and, re, and we're going to be like, oh, but yeah, yeah, I didn't, yeah, I didn't know you really wanted me to do that. I mean, I memorized it. I did talk about it a lot. Now, friends, we got we to get into this game. Let's do this with Jesus. Let's all make disciples that make disciples. It's so important, not just because these were Jesus' parting words, but parting, and parting words, because they should carry a lot of weight, right? And not just because Jesus prefaced these parting words with all, heaven, all, you know, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, and that he was God when he's saying these parting words. That, again, should carry a lot of weight so we should do it but we should also recognize like this is God's plan a to get the gospel to the ends of the earth to fill the earth with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord this is his plan and so the question is are we getting on his plan are we going to be on his same page are you personally going to get on his page if we're not and again a lot of believers in America are not on that page 
And as a result, like the church in America is not growing. And specifically, when you look at the next generation, the millennials, which a lot of us are, but that generation, so much research has been done to say like only about 4% of millennials are connected to a Bible-believing church. 4%. That's why. It's because we're not making disciples that make disciples. This is God's plan to fill the earth. Can we get on his page? So here's the thing. As a church, and this probably won't surprise you given all of that preface, but what we're saying at Midtown Church is that we want to be all about what God's about, what the church is to be about. We want to be about making disciples that make disciples in order to fill the earth with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord's waters cover the sea. And it's a really big deal to us. In fact, as a church, just a, just a year ago, um, actually a year ago last weekend, would be our one-year anniversary of uh, the elders saying, um, hey, we've got a, we feel like God's leading us to make a five-year commitment to try to help us move the ball down the field towards making disciples and make disciples to get the gospel to this whole city. That in light of our church, and I don't know if you're new here, you may not have heard this yet, but as a church, we have a big dream. It's a big, big dream, but here's the dream. Our dream is that one day that we would see the day that every man, woman, and child in Austin would hear the gospel from someone who loves them. That one day we would see the day where every man, woman, child would hear the gospel from someone who loves them. And that, that would begin here in Austin. They would spread to the ends of the earth. Any longhorn will tell you, right? Because what happens here changes the world, right? And so we say, okay, well, it starts here. Let's see that go all over the place. So that's our huge dream. And so then last year, a year ago, we said, okay, well, so here in the next five years, here's the steps we would really like to take towards that day. We put it this way. We said, um, we are committing to partner with God to become a sending church, sending out our first church plant in 2019 and sending 500 gospel-saturated disciple-makers to saturate 200 people groups in Central Austin and 200 people groups beyond Central Austin by 2021. And guys, those aren't just words on a page. That's a big, big deal to us because of what I was talking about earlier, that our world is currently not saturated with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. That it is saturated with brokenness. In fact, it's the brokenness that results, all the brokenness results from our broken relationship with God. And the sad truth is that in central Austin, UT campus, Hyde Park neighborhood, Rosedale neighborhood, downtown, this whole central Austin, 76% of the people living in that area do not believe that Jesus is their Savior. 76%, three, more than three out of every four people you see do not have a re reconciled relationship with God. That our city is not saturated with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. Now we as a church, we, we believe that we, along with the other churches in this city, have been put here on purpose that God has sent us to Austin for as long as we're here to partner with him and what he is doing to get the gospel to the ends of the earth starting right here. To see Austin saturated with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. And so when we started working on that, you know, t taking the steps on that commitment, five-year commitment, 
We, we, were getting, we got real excited. We started identifying people groups that we were going to try to share the gospel with. And we were doing all kinds of stuff, some really good stuff. But qu- quickly we recognized, you know what? This isn't going to happen without a real commitment to make disciples and make disciples. That we have got to make disciples. We've got to help each other grow up into Christ. To be personally saturated with the gospel and then move to go with Jesus to make disciples so that places will be saturated with the gospel. People will be saturated with the gospel. And so this year, what we've said is like, okay, here's our, here's our big goal for the year. In light of all of that, we say, okay, for the, for the sake of gospel saturation, we're asking that every one of us, each one of us, would commit to grow as a disciple and to go make disciples. That each one of us would commit to grow as disciples and to go make disciples. And I'll tell you, this is about as bread and butter as it gets, right? I mean, this is not, I mean, this is definitely not original. Like this is just Matthew 20, 18. But we're saying as a church, let's do that. Let's get back to that or let's encourage that. And there's places in our church where that has definitely been happening. But we like to say we want to see more and more of that where we can help each other grow as disciples and that we could go make disciples, that we would learn how to make disciples and then we would actually begin making disciples. And so my question for you today is this, in light of what God's about and what the church is about, what our church is about is, will you be, will you be about this? Will you be all about this? And my, my question for you is this. Will you commit to grow as a disciple and to go make a disciple? Will you commit? Now, I, we're not asking you to be someone who's already a, like, I'm a disciple and I'm already making disciples. You may be, and we have a number of people in our church that are already doing that. And what we would say for you is, great, keep going and help others do that. But if you're right now saying, man, I don't even know if I believe. Like, I'm more of those out of the 11 disciples that are some of them doubting, right? I, I, that's, that, that's more me. Like, if that's where you are, I say, that's fine. Listen to what Jesus said to them. Go do this. And what we would say is, will you commit? You don't have to be this yet, but will you commit this year? You're going to choose. I'm going to choose to grow as a disciple of Jesus and go make disciples of Jesus. Will you commit? I mean, even today, will you, will you commit? Will you choose to do that? Say, God, this is what you're about. Okay, I'm, a, I'm choosing to be about this. And then you think, okay, well, if you do commit, then the next question is, okay, well, what do I do next, right? What's my next step? And let me tell you, the step that I would really encourage you to take is to get connected, to get connected to a group of people who will help you grow as disciples and will help you learn how to make disciples, will help you begin making disciples. As your first step, if you're willing to commit, will you take the first step and get connected and as a church, we've got a couple environments outside of Sunday mornings that exist to help you Follow through on a commitment of growing as a disciple and going and make disciples. Those two environments are, are huddles and our MCs or Midtown Communities for those that are, uh, you know, uh, non-students in our church and those who are students, college students in our church, it's the same kind of thing, but they, uh, different names, we call them midweek, which actually takes place on campus, and small groups. And so whether it's midweek or small groups or MCs or huddles, any of those, all those environments exist to help you grow as disciples and go make disciples. And I'm not going to walk through all the differences and all that stuff. What I want to say is that if you're willing to commit to choose to do this, 
Would you take the step to get connected to an environment that will help you do that? And so on your connection card, right, there's a box at the very bottom under I'm interested in says get connected to grow and go, right? As simple as it can be. But if you're willing to say, okay, I'm, I'm interested in this. I'm willing to commit to do this. Help me figure out my next steps. I'd ask that you would check that box. And this week, someone from the church will call you and talk with you about the options, try to help you find a group of people that will best fit you and your schedule to get connected with that will help you grow and go. Now, if you're a college student here and you're, you're already a part of something like NAVS or Crew or something like that, I'll tell you, we, we love those ministries and we're all for that. And if that's where you're going to grow as a disciple and go make disciples, then man, yeah, do that. We don't want to pull you out of that. If you want to just be a place, this Midtown is your church home, church family to gather with and worship on Sundays, we would be thrilled to be that for you. But if you don't have a place to get connected, to grow and go, we'd love to be that for you as well. Check that box. Let us help you. This is our question for you. Will you be all about what God's about? Will you be about growing as a disciple and going to make disciples? This year, if we'll do this, man, I just can't. We don't even know what God would do, but it could be amazing. Let's do this together. And let's do this together with God. All right? Because notice at the very end, what does Jesus say? And I will be with you always to the end of the age. That making disciples is not something we simply do for God. It is absolutely something we do with God. Because remember, this is what God is about. It's what he's promised is going to happen. The earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. He's bringing it about. It's our opportunity, our privilege to join him in it. By making disciples of all nations, of all peoples. May we start where we are. May we link arms with him. It might feel overwhelming. It may feel scary. But yeah, hey, I love what my college pastor used to say. He would say this. God will never call you to something you can do by yourself. Period. If you can do what God has called you to without the power of that God alone provides, then you have missed what God has called you to. See, God only calls us to that which requires him. And Jesus says, hey, go make disciples. And he says, I will be with you. You can't do it on your own, but I'm with you. Let's do this together. Midtown Church, let's do this together. Together and together with Jesus. Will you commit to grow and go? I often wonder what it would have been like to be one of the disciples that day, the 11 of them on the mountain. They had to be overwhelmed by the scope of what Jesus had just called them to do. Really, all nations, the 11 of us? But they, as, they went and did it. I mean, we're 2,000 years removed, half a world removed. The earth has begun to be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. God can do this. He's been doing it. I think what compelled the disciples to do this is because they were hearing these words come from the mouth of the one that just died and defeated death, rose again. 
knowing who's saying this to them, they were, as Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians 5, compelled by Christ's love to no longer live for themselves, but to live for the one who died and rose again for them. And so they went and they did this with him. We're going to end this morning by taking communion. We do this every single Sunday at Midtown, and we do this because it all comes back to what Jesus has done for us. And then you wrestle with, will you choose to grow as disciples and go make disciples? What I'd like you to use this time for is as you hold the bread and you hold the cup, that you would think about Jesus dying for you, his body broken for you, his blood spilled out for you. And that you would picture him saying these things to you, go therefore make disciples of all nations. And you would see him who died for you saying it, that you would be compelled by his love to go and live for him to be about what he's about. You would see him dying for you, that you would choose to live for him. You can come up here, two lines in the front, two lines in the back to get the elements. You do not have to be a partner of Midtown Church to partake in communion. This is open to everybody. We just ask that you believe that Jesus did live and die for you. Uh, let me pray, and then we will respond by taking communion, and we will also uh, respond in worship. Let's pray. Heavenly God, Heavenly Father God, God, would you move us to be about what you're about? And thank you that you are filling the earth with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. And that that day is coming or may we choose to be a part of it. That as you fill us with your spirit that we would then fill this earth with your knowledge that people would worship you, that you would get the glory that you deserve, and that we, our city and our world, would be blessed as a result of coming into a restored relationship with you. God, would you move us to make disciples and make disciples? Would you do a great work in our church this year for your glory and the good of many? Jesus, would you compel us by what you've done for us through your death and resurrection, that even now we would feel all the more compelled by your love to live for you because you lived and died for us. In Christ's name we pray, amen.